had a message from my granddaughter this morning that is always delightful, but it was a bit different. Her message was, there's absolutely no way of knowing how many chameleons are hidden in your house at any one time. <laughs> that has absolutely nothing to do with anything. If you have your Bible, open to uh, Psalm 68. And just put your finger there for a moment. Before we get into the Word, I just need to, uh, to apologize if you were here last week, to apologize and ask your forgiveness. I was a bit harsh in making an announcement about the uh, Will Graham celebration. Uh, we believe, and I believe, that leadership, we provide opportunities for people to, to minister, to serve, but we don't have to manipulate or control you to do something. That's the Holy Spirit. And I crossed that line last week uh, in that I became a, quite harsh in trying to motivate you, but motivation is the first step toward manipulation. And so I ask that you forgive me. I just, uh, I forgot for a, a few minutes that I'm accountable to God for me and not for you. <laughs> and you're accountable to God for you. And so if you forgive me, I appreciate that. Uh, we don't want to actually ever misrepresent God's heart. And I did that. If you didn't find it harsh, forgive me anyway. You're just used to that kind of stuff. Uh, which you shouldn't be. Psalm 68. Verse 5, a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy habitation. I want to talk about the Father's love for us this morning. I, uh, just a couple months ago, we said our oldest son, we celebrated his 40th birthday. And I was remembering 40 years ago, as if it were yesterday. Uh, for those of you who are older, you understand what I mean. And uh, we had, Mary and I had lived in Mexico for a while, and we actually returned to the States a month before he was due, so he would be born in the States in case there was any uh, problems. And I was so excited to uh, have a son born. Uh, everything was fine. He was fine. Mary was fine. I was part of the... the uh, birth and did all the coaching and all that kind of stuff that you do. But I was so excited and so hyper, I went home and I had a uh, record 40 years ago of uh, Handel's Messiah. And I put on the song for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And I literally danced around our little apartment for two hours all by myself, just absolutely excited. I felt that way for each of our kids as they were born. Uh, about a year after our second son was born, some really close friends of ours, uh, they had their third child born, and they found out a few days after he was born that he had a problem. In fact, he had a heart issue that was fatal, and the doctor basically said to the family, take this boy home to die because there's nothing we can do. 
I remember sitting with the dad as he just wept and wept and wept. Uh, found out that there was a surgeon on the other side of the country who was doing an experimental surgery on hearts and ended up flying the, the kid there. They did the surgery. That uh, young man is now 37 years old. He's the oldest person in the world ever born with that situation. He's the first one that that worked on. Two fathers, one ecstasy and delight, and one agony. God is a father to the fatherless. Luke 11. Jesus in the Lord's Prayer, he begins, our Father in heaven. We're so used to that that most of us have no clue what that actually means because it was so contrary to the thinking of the Jews. The Jews had this image of God as remote and high, so much so that they never ever actually said his name. What we say as Yahweh or was translated by German uh, theologians as Jehovah is actually a four-letter called the Tetragrammatron. It's four letters that had no vowels so that the Jews would never even say it. They had God in such a, a lofty position, so far removed from them, and Jesus says, our Father. Scandalous. <laughs> Crucify him. Verse 11, later on he says this. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? If he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you, then being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father Give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. Jesus didn't just call him our Father in his prayer. He actually taught that he's your heavenly Father. Absolutely astounding. Mark chapter 14. Jesus in the, uh, just before going to the cross in the garden. Verse 36, he says, Abba, Father. Abba actually means daddy. Not is he just the father, but he's this intimate. Abba, daddy. All things are possible for you. Take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but you, what you will. What I want to point out to you this morning is that what Jesus is saying here is that intimacy that he has with God it wasn't his will to go to the cross. It was the Father's. John three sixteen. we all know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish. Romans 8, 5 says... By this, the love of God was demonstrated for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died. The love of God was demonstrated in that Christ died. The Father 
sent his son. Point I want to make this morning is the background of everything, all of Jesus' death, resurrection, everything that took place, the background is the love of a father for us. What a dilemma he faced. See, God intended us to live in that place of relationship with him. And in that place is peace, is love. That's what he intended. And when he was faced with the situation that our rebellion and sin had separated us from him, he didn't resign himself to that. He didn't say, ah, well, they messed up. Maybe I'll start over somewhere. He sent his son to remove our sin so that we could be restored. A father to the fatherless. These kids, this kid. Hope you never have to face a decision. Which one do you sacrifice? See, salvation is just the entrance into God's presence and the love and peace that he intended. Yes, we celebrate Jesus' resurrection. Whether it was today or tomorrow or the day after or 2,000 years ago, the, the key isn't that we're celebrating an event. The key is that we're celebrating a condition that we've been restored to come back into relationship, and we live in that every day. A relationship of love and peace. Years ago, I read something Confucius had written, and he said, Confucius, that befuddled philosopher, he was confused. No. Come on, guys. Wake up. Huh? That was, yeah, only Tony and I, d d dad jokes. Yeah, okay, he does the dad jokes. He told me one this morning that uh, Jesus is risen. He's not rising. He's not bread. It's Easter, not Easter. I thought that was a dad joke. Confucius said this, for the nations to live at peace, the nation must be at peace. For the nation to be at peace, the tribes must be at peace. For the tribes to be at peace, the family must be at peace. And for the family to be at peace, the individual must be at peace. When he stopped there, one of his students asked him, then how does the individual find peace? He replied, that you must find. I do not know. Isn't love and peace what everyone dreams of? Isn't that what the world is looking for? Everyone wants a world of love and peace. Problem is, most don't know how to get there. John Lennon 
told us in 1967. All you need is love. <laughs> Sing it. Da, 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 da. I was uh, doing some research on that, and uh, you would think that that is the, the epitome of his philosophy. The Beatles were asked, those of you who weren't around, to be part of a first international uh, broadcast called Our World. And they wrote a song for it. And John Lennon had been studying advertising and felt that he could put together an advertising lyric that people would remember. Had nothing to do with his philosophy of life, yet it's become many people's philosophy of life. All you need is love. I actually think he was right. But like Confucius, he didn't know how to get there. So here we are 55 years later, and the world's more divided, more fragile, more unhappy than ever before. I've told you this story before, but let me tell you again. Winky Pratney, who was a Christian teacher, was at a university, and he was talking about relationship with God, and, and this was in the, uh, I think it was the early 1980s, or late 1970s, and while he was speaking, one of the, a student jumped up in this huge auditorium and said, no, man, all you need is love. And Wicked Pratney said, tell me, how do you get along with your parents? Oh, no, they're, they're terrible. They're part of the establishment. How about your brothers and sisters? No, no, they're just and then sit down and shut up. <laughs> said, if it doesn't work at home, don't export it. He was quoting Lenin's philosophy, which was really just an advertising slogan. All you need is love, but where do you find it? You find it in a father who loved us so much that he gave his son. Only one way. Jesus in John 14, 6 said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. So what am I saying? You're wondering that. What in the world are you getting to, Russ? We need to fix some things in our thinking. One is that God is love. Duh. That's profound, huh? He's a loving father. He's not angry or upset. He's not wanting to punish us. He was always wanting us to live in love and peace. Somehow the devil has lied and people have believed it that God's against you. Jesus is for you, but God's against you. The reality is that Jesus dying was a demonstration of the Father's love. He was never against us. He's wanting to pour his love on us. And when he does, that love overflows onto others. When he pours his love on us, it changes how we see ourselves. 
So you don't have to do all the right things. You don't have to behave properly. I was preaching in uh, Singapore a few years back, and I was just talking about how God loves us and that our identity often comes from our performance. The, The concept of the world is that you have to be something special or you have to perform something special. And so our, our identity often comes from performance. And while I was sharing, a young man, a young man, he was in his 30s, uh, was just weeping. And after we finished, he went and got his family. And he brought them and, and he was hugging them and holding them. He had two boys. And I went to him afterwards. I said, what's going on? He said, I was raised in a household where my dad's approval of me was based on what I did. Constantly under pressure, always fearful that I wouldn't do enough to please him. Never enough, he was always critical, he was negative. Tears running down his face, he says, I've become my dad. He hated it growing up, but he'd become that way with his kids. He was repenting. See, when we experience the real love of the Father, it changes how we see ourselves. Not based on what you do. Not only changes how we see ourselves, it changes how we see others. If you see someone in the love of God, you'll never criticize them. You'll never say what they did wrong because they're loved. But see, it also changes how we see him and everything he asks us to do. We don't obey him out of fear that if I don't do the right things, he'll be upset, but out of love. We don't give out of fear We don't live out of fear as that young man in Singapore grew up living in constant fear that he wouldn't do the right thing. Yet somehow that has been put on many of us. God will only be pleased if you do all the right stuff and you better do more of it. You're obviously not doing enough. when we come into relationship with God and his love fills us and overflows us, then we can have a loving family. When we come into relationship with God and his love fills us, the Father, we can become a loving community. You know, that's God's plan for his church. In fact, everything, everything of Jesus' death and resurrection, everything of God's plan for his kingdom, everything is built on the foundation of the Father's love. And that's got to be fixed in our heart. If we're gonna be living in that place of joy and peace that he intended. 
we can become a loving community that impacts the, the nations and the world. So in essence, John Lennon had it right, even though it was just a advertising slogan. All you need is love, the love of the Father that comes through Jesus. Not only can we live in a, as a loving family and in a loving community, but the love of the Father releases us from fear. I've talked about that a couple times in the last few months. And as I was preparing this week, I felt something in God that he's still wanting to release people. Releases us from fear. There is no fear in love. We often quote the next verse that says, perfect love casts out fear. And we miss the one before it that says, there is no fear in love. If we're experiencing fear, we've probably got our eyes off of the love of the Father and onto something else. Releases us from fear. Fear of man, which is basically just what other people think. That's how the world works. But somehow that kind of creeps into us and we become concerned. What will they think of me? Mary and I like to watch a little uh, home show sometimes. And uh, they do this makeover of houses. And uh, they talk about the curb appeal. And they said the other day on the show, you never get a chance. You only get one chance to make a good first impression. Basically, you better care about what people think about your house. How often do we think that about us? What do people think? Fear of failure, what if I mess up? What if I don't do enough? What if I do something wrong? John Etheridge, in one of his books on men said most men live in a place where they're afraid they're one bad decision away from everything falling apart. Constant fear. What if I do something wrong? What if I make a bad decision, a bad investment, or if I do something wrong at work and lose my job and there's this constant pressure? What if I mess up? What if I stumble and then God gets upset at me? Fear of the future. What if things change? What if I don't have enough? Moving along. Ultimately, he wants to release us from fear of death. Philippians 1.21 says, uh, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Turn with me one more to Romans 8. In light of all that, in light of not just celebrating something that, that took place a couple thousand years ago, 
Verse 31, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Doesn't say that people aren't against us. You've probably experienced some people being against you. You've probably experienced people saying things against you. But the reality is, in comparison to God, when our focus is on him and his love, those things become nothing. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? He's a father to the fatherless. He loved you so much he gave his son so that you could be restored. How will he not also give us everything else we need? Why are we afraid that we won't have enough? Why are we afraid that people will say something negative about us? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? How many of you ever have had charges brought against you? Whether by people or by the devil. It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? Have you faced condemnation? I just don't do enough. I don't meet people's expectations. It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. What an amazing, amazing. God so loved us, he gave his son, but his son now makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution? What happens when you get persecuted? Does that separate you from the love of Christ? Of course not. Or famine or nakedness or peril or sword or war or pandemics or economies, for it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long, and accounted as sheep for the slaughter. It's talking about Jesus. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life Whether you've experienced death, people close to you, or life, or angels, or principalities, the the strongholds of the enemy, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Why am I saying that? Because Jesus died so that we could be restored to the place of God's love. Not to the place of performance, 
but the place of his love and peace. That's why. What are we celebrating? Not an event. We're celebrating a condition that we can live in today that is not only the answer to our salvation, it's the answer to the world. People want, are looking for peace and love, and we have it if we recognize that we live in that. Sorry, I get excited. As I was uh, preparing this week and praying, there's a whole lot of stuff you can preach on Easter. (laughs) I just felt God say, there's some people who just need to have his love poured out upon them once again. The love of the Father. Whether you've been accused or condemned, whether you've questioned his will. I heard someone say in Romans 8, it says there that Jesus makes intercession. Farther back over in Romans 8, 26, it says the Holy Spirit makes intercession. And in the middle in 28, it says, and God works all things together for us. Why? Because the Spirit and the Son are interceding the love of the Father being poured out. Isn't that amazing? Everything in the kingdom is built on the foundation of the Father's love. He's not angry. He's not the bad guy and Jesus is the good guy. He's not the bad cop and Jesus is the good cop. God wasn't concerned about the punishment He was concerned about the root, which was sin. Somehow we got this idea that God's there to punish us. No, God's there to love us. But sin made a separation. He's not angry. He's loving. I'm going to ask you if you'd stand. I ask you if you just close your eyes for a moment. Just so you're not distracted by people. I had to get you to stand before I actually you close your eyes so you don't fall asleep. My wife says sometimes I, when I get intense, I speak slowly. And it makes it very nice. In fact, Michael Green said to me the, a couple weeks ago that uh, on Sunday morning, I'm a cure for insomnia. Just take a moment. Romans says that the Holy Spirit pours the love of God into our hearts. But the devil does everything to get our eyes off of the fact that God loves us onto everything else the problems, the accusation, the condemnation. Let me just say this. If someone's actually accused you of of something, you don't have to defend yourself. Just agree. Have I sinned? Yes, I have. But God's redeemed me. 
He doesn't hold that against me because of Jesus. If you've been fearful of what might be the future, seems like that that's the ploy of the enemy right now. There is such fear just flooding our world. And we look to the wrong things. If you think the wrong government getting elected is going to affect your future negatively, you need to get set free. Because God loves you. And the kingdom has advanced under every form of government throughout history. Not saying you shouldn't vote. I'm just saying don't look to that as the salvation. God loves you. What if the economy goes bad? Who cares? God loves you. If he did not withhold his only son but gave him up freely for you, will he not also freely give you all things in Christ? Everything you need. And if you don't get enough and you die, celebrate. We get to go be with Jesus. There's no fear. So just take a moment. Allow the Holy Spirit to pour the love of God into you. Allow the fears, the accusations, Holy Spirit, you who pour the love of God into our hearts, will you pour now? Lord, there's so much just uh, things happening around us and the ploy of the enemy to get our eyes off how much you love us. And then we get anxious and worried and there's so many people. Lord, we realize that that's the state of so many in the world right now but we're not in the world. We're in the kingdom. And we get to experience your love. Would you pour, Holy Spirit? Would you pour as we put our eyes back on you? You're a father to the fatherless. You enjoy us so much that you gave your son. Well, we don't ever want to just uh, repeat that glibly. You loved me so much that you gave your son. What a delight. Thank you that we get to live in that place of peace and love. In Jesus' name, amen.